Hey everyone, you are listening to HuntLink by Serviceside. My name is Justin. I am the operations director here. It's been a few weeks since we've uh, been on the mic. Um, busy with hunting season, our open enrollment here at Serviceside, bringing in some awesome members of the team. Um, so things have been rolling good, but we are back. Um, and no other way to start this than welcoming our Serviceide member. Um, he's going to be our guest for today, Alexander Wagner. What's going on, man? Oh, not a lot. Uh, just getting ready for hunt camp tonight. <laughs> nice. Me too, man. I'm so freaking excited. We are. I'm doing actually two hunt links. I'm going to Virginia. Uh, we're going to do some waterfowl hunting with a guy named Mark. Um, older gentleman he's been in service site a little bit so that'll be that'll be awesome um and then i'll be doing a little little doe patrol at a, another spot um heard virginia's on fire right now so i'm hoping that the smoke and, and things doesn't affect the game but at the end of the day i mean all we can do is get out there and and kind of do what we can really <laughs> right exactly exactly um but yeah, no, it's it's looking like it's going to be a good weekend uh, up here. I'm I'm in uh, central New York in the Finger Lakes region, so there's a lot to dive in about that for sure. Awesome, awesome, and we're going to jump right into it. But before we jump into the nitty gritty um, of what this episode is going to be about, let's start out with doing a little icebreaker here. Um, introduce yourself and uh, tell us how you got into hunting. Okay, perfect. Uh, so. Uh, Obviously, my name is Alexander Wagner. Um, I grew up in a tiny county in West Virginia uh, called Work County. Um, by a tiny county, I mean overall population is about 2,200 people, and there's not a stoplight in the whole county. Oh, wow. Um, and, you know, growing up, I had a dad that uh, very fortunately was very avid outdoorsman. Um, I started hunting it for four years old with my own 410. Um, before that, I, I have pictures of me in the woods with my dad while I was still in diapers. So um, definitely grew up, seen a lot, um, and hunted a, a lot of different terrain features, you know, um, everywhere from literally West Virginia all the way out to uh, outskirts of Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, I lived out there for a few years. And uh, whenever I graduated and turned 18 so um yeah no i've been hunting now it's going on with a gun i'd say 24 years um 28 now so uh yeah that's pretty much me in an open book <laughs> awesome man well you know what this episode is gonna, we're going to be diving into is that switch in hunting terrain so you went from hill country of west virginia ridges to where you're at now in new york where you're hunting swamps uh surrounded by ags um so i'll let you kind of uh take it away here and, and you know where you want to begin and uh we'll kind of just you know delve into it here um you know let's kind of talk about i guess uh you know, the type of hunting that you do, um, and how that transition, you know, how you kind of transition to that from what you were used to. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So obviously, uh, where I grew up, um, you've got a lot of ridges, haulers, um, a lot of hardwoods, not, not really any pine thickets, not any swamp marshland. Um, you're, you're literally hunting big, wide open haulers where you're seeing four or 500 yards and depending on what way your wind's going, you can pretty much pinpoint the way the deer are going to be moving. Um, you know, and four years ago, this is the my fourth season in New York. 
Um, I moved up here with not knowing anyone besides my wife. Um, her family don't hunt. So I really didn't have much to hunt or to go off of. So I started looking into public land, um, went out my first season, uh, opening day of gun season. I'll never forget it. Um, I seen so many hunters that I had no clue what I was doing. I was like, I hiked four miles back into this piece, um, that a lot of people up here in New York know, um, is high tour outside of Naples. And I seen before 9am, I counted 43 other hunters that came past me. Um, and somehow had no clue I was there. Um, but it got to be about noon and I seen a hunter coming and, you know, everyone makes mistakes. Um, but I, I had a very scary moment where I thought I was getting shot because I saw the bullet hit within 20 yards of me. Oh my gosh. And, and the guy runs up and he's like, did you see that deer? And I was like, buddy, I can see 600 yards. I saw you playing as day. There was no deer, but, um, we ended up talking. Um, I was able to coach him a little bit, um, on, you know, nobody wants someone to get shot in a hunting accident. That's right. just, that's terrifying. Um, went home, told my wife about it. And of course, you know, wives care a lot about us. So that she was a little scared. Um, and that's kind of where I'll dive in here. Um, I had a job where one of my bosses, I told the story to, um, his dad had a farm of about 200 acres and, He's like, it's a lot of ag land. I grew up hunting it. I always get a doe every year. Um, but if you want to come out hunting, follow me after work. And at the time I was on midnight. So I was like, oh, finally, you know, somewhere that's not going to be pressured like crazy. Um, I go out that next morning um, with him. Soon as we got off work, I threw on my clothes, grabbed my gun, headed out. And I went out there and I hunted that farm from the third day gun season all the way through muzzleloader um season to the to the very last day really on new year's eve and i did all day sits i set up and sat where you know obviously i've never seen a swamp i've i i didn't know exactly what to expect but seeing deer wasn't an issue it was finding out how they're moving and you know, in a holler, you can hear a deer coming a mile away almost. Right. <laughs> you you got the leaves, you got everything else. Well, in a wet swamp, you can't hear that unless they're running through the water. <laughs> no, um, yeah, you're right, man. You're right. So uh, there was a lot of days that opening year that I sat where I'd go in in the morning, there'd be nothing. Um, I'd stay out there all day till after dark. Um and my buddy's dad would see me sitting out there in blizzards that first year where I go in the woods with no snow and I come out and they're six inches. Um, <laughs> and I, and I just couldn't, I couldn't draw. I, I couldn't buy luck. I felt like, and I beat myself up really bad on it. Um, so fast forward, we go um, to the next year and that whole next summer before deer season, I said, you know, I'm, I got access to this beautiful piece um, I know there's deer there. There's plenty of sign, but I, I'm going to figure this out. Um, and it was a big mental task. Um, there, I would have 10 to 12 cameras, which is more than I've ever ran before. Um, 
And it, it took a while, but I was able to finally start tracking and pinning these deer down. Um, and that, that second year I didn't bow hunt. Um, unfortunately I had a shoulder injury, um, that I was not able to do so. Um, and I went out there in gun season and I, I had this buck that got mangled by a car, um, whenever he was in velvet and I could see him before I got pictures of him before I got pictures of him after, um, he got hit by the car and it kind of messed up his brow tine and the left side of his rack a little bit, makes him do some wonky things. But I, uh, was able to pin him down, um, see where he's coming from and, you know, hunting up here, I noticed it's, it's on or it's off. Um, and opening day that morning, I, uh, on my way to my hunting spot, you know, everyone has the anticipation of opening morning and what they're going to expect, what they're going to see. And on my way to my stand a mile away down the road at the beginning of the swamp, um, I have a buck cross the road actually in two spots in front of me and it's the same buck. And it's a buck that I've only ever heard, you know, I heard stories of them from the farmers. I've never seen him, never laid eyes on him. But once I did, I knew it was him. Um, something told me it's going to be an amazing day to hunt. Um, had a very heavy frost that morning and it was windy as all get out until about 15 minutes before shooting light. Um, and all of a sudden the wind stops and you can hear, you know, you hunt swamps, um, down in Florida. So I'm sure you've possibly seen this as well, where, you always know something's about to happen whenever you hear that calming noise go all the way through the swamp where the birds cut out, all the animals cut out, the wind cuts out, and it's silence. Um, and that morning, that seven point, um, he came walking by, um, and I was able to harvest him. And, you know, I was like, well, wow, I spent one year. I've got this figured out. Boy, was I more than wrong. <laughs> that's how it works man i was i was you know letting you go go on with that but uh you know swamp hunting is like any type of hunting i'm sure if i did another you know when i go mountain hunting you know mountainous terrain hunting it's a whole different world than what i do here but that lack of being able you know people are always like oh i heard the deer coming i'm like what's that like what 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 do you mean you heard the deer coming they're like i could hear it walking to me and i'm like I've, i don't we don't hear that here like unless they're tromping no. through the water and that's exciting that's probably equivalent to them walking through leaves as far as getting your heart rate up but these swamps are different as far as sound as far as smell um as far as like you said you know trying to pinpoint where they're at they literally you know what do we know deer like they like cover well there's cover everywhere. <laughs> so. there's, there's cover everywhere. And you don't have, you know, in hilly mount, mountainous terrain, you've got, um, I've always explained it as flats. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got your ridge and then you've got 10, 15 yard drop. Then it flattens out for 10 yards. Then it goes down and you've got the flats and it's kind of like steps going up the hillside. Right. And it's, it's pretty easy to track down where the deer are going whenever you've got that. Um, for anyone that's ever hunted a swamp before, you realize that you can walk straight into the center of a swamp where that main stream or creek is coming through. And you're going to cross over 50 different heavily traveled deer trails. And they might not be heavily traveled, 
Um, but they are most definitely look at because how just soft and uh, muddy it is through there. Um, and yeah, so I, I think I got this figured out. Um, I, I harvest a beautiful buck. Don't get me wrong. I was uh, more than excited. Um, and that kind of messed me up for the next year. I'll be a hundred percent honest. Um, so the next year, you know, as opposed to getting my cameras out in June, July, um, I end up waiting until I think it was a week before bow season, the last weekend of September. And because I'm like, oh, well, I've already got these deer figured out. I ain't got to worry about a thing. Um, I hung a brand new stand up. Um, I, I did get it out a little late. Um, and I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Um, I can see a country mile through this swamp. Um, it's kind of at a bend where it goes around. Um, and what I didn't take into mind is the way the wind works coming through the swamp. Now at the swamp I hunt, uh, typically we got a predominantly, uh, coming out of the West wind every morning. Um, I didn't pay attention to it. Uh, you know, this last year, not this year, but last year and the whole month of October till about October 25th, you're getting gusts of 25, 30 miles an hour. Um, the deer, uh, I'm anticipating, you know, coming uh, from the east, which is right where my wind's going. And whenever you've got all that water in the swamp, well, deer smell you a, lot, a whole lot easier. Um, and so that that year, I hunt the I hunt hard. I mean, I ended up having a month of vacation, and I took all of October off, and I I regretted it. Um, as you'll see, but I hunt early season and I'm hunting ways that I never hunted before. I'm hunting mornings. I'm hunting evenings. I'm hunting all day sitting when it's 70 degrees outside and I'm not seeing a thing. Um, you know, I'm getting some doe movement, but they're blowing at me from 80 yards away before I even see them. They're blowing at me cause they smell me already. Um, and you know, I, again, beat myself pretty beat myself up pretty good. Um, talking to my wife, telling her, I just don't know what I'm doing wrong. Um, and then October 29th of that year, something kind of crazy, uh, happened where it started as, you know, I was a really strong, uh, caller in the mountainous country. Cause I, pretty well figure out myself where I need to be set up, where I can call, where the sounds are going to carry and where the bedding is. And I did not spend any time figuring that out. Um, and so I call out of that stand where I can see, and, you know, I just got my bleak can. It's kind of coming down to the last few days of my vacation and I get my bleak can out and I just turn it over one time. Um, usually I'm doing two to three, but I turn it over one time and it's not 30 seconds. I start hearing the splashing in the water. Like you said, you know, whenever you have a buck stomping through water, that's a whole, yeah. to me, I've seen it in the hills and in the mountains where you're hearing the deer come through the leaves and yeah, it's exciting, except, you know, you got squirrels and everything else that are pretty good at mimicking that. Right. Right. There's not much that's mimicking walking through the water. And if it is, it's usually a game animal. <laughs> <laughs> right you exactly know? 
and, and I hear these, I hear these stomps, um, just sploosh, sploosh, sploosh. And it sounds like this giant, you know, huge, huge buck. And at about 40 yards, he pops out from this line of trees, the only line of trees that I'm blocked uh, vision wise. And it's this tiny little three inch spike. And, and it's the first time I've really listened for the, the predominant, you know, a, a buck has a cadence about it that no other deer does. Don't matter if it's a young buck, an older buck, um, you know, yeah, you can hear the weight differences. I, I learned that uh, pretty heavily. Um, but I see the buck and it breaks my heart. I'm like, oh, my gosh, uh, obviously, I'm not going to take that young buck. Well, the next day. I'm, I'm feeling, I'm like, well, wow, that call worked. He was definitely looking. Um, he was definitely wanting to see that doe. Um, the next day it gets to be about 8 AM and I don't know what it is. Um, it's, it's kind of a myth, I guess you would say of mine. Um, a lot of people like that first hour of sunlight, um, me included. I, I love nothing more than being in my stand an hour before daylight and seeing the sun come up and, watching the woods or in this case the swamp wake up it's it's definitely a a different feeling um but for me the magic hour has always been 7 55 to about 8 15 a.m you know that that time that most people were already thinking about exiting out for food because they didn't see nothing the first hour um whatever the case may may be um and right at eight o'clock in the morning Um, I have the footage of it and I have a tree arm that I got last year that I thought was going to make my life easier recording hunts. And, uh, I decide to do a little rattle sequence and I'm a firm believer in not rattling from up inside of a tree. Um, I know a lot of people that have a lot of luck, but for some reason there's something about ground noise that I'm a firm believer in. Um, so I climb down out of the tree, I do a rattle sequence and then I'm shimmying back up, up into my stand as quick as I can. And I know more than put my foot on the platform and I turn around and I've got three bucks. Um, one of which is one we'll touch base on here a little bit later. Um, but two of the other bucks is the seven point, um, that is not large by any means, but he's at least a four and a half year old deer he's got a tiny rack but a massive body um and then i've got this beautiful picture perfect eight point that you know looking at his body i'm assuming he was about three and a half years old um some about four inch tines on him and uh just a perfect rack you you don't get bucks i haven't seen a picture perfect rack like that many times while i've been hunting and uh and then there's this giant that I saw from the year before, um, a, a 12, he's got a split brow tine on his left-hand side. And I'm kind of, uh, ignorance is bliss, I would say. And obviously I wasn't paying attention to my surroundings and I'll, I'll be a hundred percent honest. I botched that by movement, everything else, whenever I should have been able to, uh, seal the deal on a beautiful, beautiful buck. Um, but I, that, that kind of got me, my feelings up in the swamp a little bit more, you know, I'm seeing deer I haven't seen on camera before and I'm 
at time, I'm not even thinking about the rut uh, per se, because the rut in West Virginia is way different than the rut up here. And that's kind of what I want to touch base on. But um, needless to say, I end up watching two of these bucks square up 40 yards away from me in the brush for about 22 minutes. Um, record them. The big buck comes back away from that. I draw back. And what I failed to remember was this picture perfect eight point that was about 20 yards to my left that watched these two fight the whole time. And the minute I start drawing my bow back, well, the hole's blown. Um, the bucks all scurry off. They all take off their own directions. Well, that beat me up, right? So, um, I hunt really hard the next few days. I'm getting these same three bucks every day um, coming in, uh, which is amazing because in growing up in the hill country, if you scare a mature buck away, they're not coming back, right? Yeah. Uh, well, sure. at least not for a while. Most of the time, I mean, depending on the maturity, but a true, a true mature buck, if, especially if he knows what's going on, he's not coming back. You know, you get those rare instances we, we were talking about before, that little 1%, but can't go off the 1%. You got to go off the majority. Right. Well, um, just to kind of sum it up, um, you know, uh, this swamp I hunt is about a mile long. It's about at its widest point, about 600 yards wide from one year it'll be corn, one year it'll be beans. And then on the backside, um, it's green beans or uh cabbage the next year and around this swamp there's nowhere for them really to exit to without covering two to three thousand yards to get into another patch of woods um so last year in a way i believe that's what benefited me you know these bucks they will travel two to three miles in a day um but whenever there's a high doe density where they're at why are they gonna go that far Right. Um, so for the next week, every morning, 8 a.m., I rattle, do a whole sequence. And I should have moved. Um, I've got a saddle. Um, I just was not comfortable in it last year. And I, I should have moved, and I would get these same three bucks every day. I would move my cameras. I'd figure out the paths they're coming to come in every day. But I would get these same three bucks to come in every single day to my sequence but I couldn't get them to close that distance back to where I was. I, I got them at 50, 60 yards away where if I'm sitting on a edge of a field, you know, I'm pretty confident um, with my bow to take that shot. As you know, hunting in a swamp, you that's way too far. Yeah. There, there's too many, there's underbrush, there's little bushes that you're not going to see. The lighting is never perfect in the swamp. Um, it could be sunny as all get out. Well, it's dark 30 minutes earlier than it is anywhere else. Whenever you're in a swamp. <laughs> yes, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you got the water with the cold mornings and then it's fog and there's just too many variables and I, I don't like to injure deer. So, um, needless to say that season was pretty blown. Um, so what I ended up doing is, is the guy who got me permission onto this, uh, farm you know i'm showing them the videos of these bucks and what i'm seeing and my buddy is uh he's a hunter but he's not somebody who wants to sit out there all day um he's not somebody 
that goes and sits in the woods kind of like some of us do. Um, and I made it a goal. I was like, I messed up enough this season. The deer outsmarted me. Um, my objective this year is to get my buddy that's hunted this farm this whole time and never harvested a buck, a buck. Um, and I had that seven point that was just old an old deer, um, kind of, you know, there's always these rumors of cold deer and this, that, and the other. Well, I, I'm a believer in that. If you've got a four-year-old deer with a small rack, it should probably be taken out of the herd. Um, so I set up a stand the day before gun season um, on this, uh, this path right along the water um, where I've had this buck for two and a half weeks coming through within a 15-minute window every morning. Um, and he, he's coming through there. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I, I get my buddy set up on him, um, and he's messaging me at this time. It is about 8, 10 in the morning, and he's messaging me. I'm, I'm cold. Um, we had a lot of snow last year on the opening weekend, um, and he's like, man, I need to get down out of my stand. I'm cold. I, I'm, I'm over it. I haven't seen a deer all day. And I, I get that buzz on my phone and I look at it and I message him back. I said, you need to give it 10 minutes. Then if you want to get out, that's fine. I know more than hit send on the phone. And all of a sudden, you know, you know how sound carries through a swamp. Um, his gun almost scared me to falling out of my tree. Let's just put it, let's just put it that way. Um, and my phone starts going off and hearing the sheer excitement of somebody who he's hunted his whole life, but. I would not say he's an experienced hunter. He's like, Oh my gosh, I just shot the biggest buck in the swamp. You know, his sheer excitement, joy. Um, and I climbed down, I go help him recover his deer. Um, and I'm thinking, wow, maybe that big one walked out in front of him and I get over there. And what do you know? It's that little seven point that I had on camera for, you know, weeks prior. Um, but I help him get it out of the woods. He's crying. Um, thanking me so much for, you know, the opportunity that I helped him get. Um, and you know, I, I'm even a little teared up. I've helped people with some hunting advice before, but, um, whenever you take it to someone that shares the passion with you, but maybe just hasn't had the experiences, it, it really brightened my day up. Um, but fast forward, um, you know, I hunt the rest of that season, um, I do not get a shot at a buck. I do not see a buck. Um, and, and I blame a lot of that on myself, um, for not staying up to following the deer, um, and not, not staying up to what I had learned the prior year to harvest a nice buck. Um, so, you know, just like most of us, I mean, that are going to be listening to this, soon as deer season's over, the first thing you start doing is counting down the days till the next year, right? Right, for sure. And uh, so I, uh, you know, I, I start working and it gets to be March and I'm start, I'm working, I'm getting in the swamp, I'm cutting shooting lanes where I know where deer are traveling. Um, and I got cameras out in May, um, checking them doing everything right, moving them around, moving stands around. Um, and one other thing I start doing this year that I've never done before is, 
you watch all this or you listen to all the podcasts in the world and all you ever hear is wind. Oh yeah. Wind, wind, wind. And I think about all my experiences, you know, um, and, and I'm fortunate, you know, I, I've got multiple 150 class inch, I mean, 150 inch class deer from Ohio, West Virginia, one from New York um, at the time. And I've got multiple on my walls and I'm like, I've never once took wind into consideration. You know, if the wind was blowing one way, I knew I wanted to hunt the backside of the ridge growing up because really, as long as I was close enough to the top of that ridge, I didn't have to worry about it. As long as I wasn't the, the wind's going to go over me and drop down below me. So I'm not going to be smelled. Um, and then, so, you know, this year I put in a lot of work. And I start studying the wind and I start going back and I look at old forecasts. What was the wind this day? You know, what, what was this? What was that? And then I also look at the year prior to where I spent so much time in the woods and when I seen deer and when I didn't see deer and I start compiling all of these variables um, together and I start to find and realize some stuff that uh, if I would have looked at before and you told me that was the case. I would have laughed at you and said, there's no way. Um, so this year I focus up a little bit, uh, different. I don't know what's going on with me. Um, I could go out to the farm and kind of just, you know, glass, um, through the ag fields, the edge of the swamps. Um, and I can glass and I'm seeing deer, but they're avoiding my trail cams like no other. Um, and I'm, I'm starting to think, man, this is going to be another one of them years. And I hunt early October. I'm just hunting weekends. I'm not using my vacation time. Um, and I get out there and I'm not seeing a doe. I, I'm struggling and I'm not sure what's going on. And then October, uh, October 27th uh, happened. And it was a monsoon. Um, and I don't know how the swamps are down there with you. Um, one thing I've realized up here is, is about the October 25th to Halloween, there comes a rainstorm here in New York. that um, comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden the swamp goes from where you could walk across it to the, all of a sudden you've got water up to the first step um, on some of the gun ladder stands. Oh, yeah. I think it's the same here. We're below sea level. Uh, I tell people all the time, you spend all summer scouting one spot, it rains for a week, and you actually have to find a new spot to hunt because it's under, under you know, we get 30, 40 foot of water. Um, typically, your stand would have been definitely underwater for sure. Oh, wow. So, yeah, see, that's a lot different. Um, no matter how much it rains or snows for some reason, we never seem to get over two and a half feet. Well, there's a there's a runoff. You being a higher elevation, it, it there's there's some type of runoff. Me being down here in Florida, like we are the bottom of the funnel. So you know, like you know, even like you know, you look at like Mississippi for example. You know, it goes to obviously through the United States. All that water runs down, and then you know, obviously you know, uh, comes out. It, it's the same with us. You know, I always look at that's the best way to put it is we are the bottom of the funnel. Like we are that very tip, that thinnest tip on the funnel and uh you know the the united states is the is the top <laughs> so right <laughs> right and and you know um 
man, I couldn't imagine having to figure that out. That would definitely be rough. I'll tell you what, best way to do it, plans A through Z. That's the best way I do it. I do plan A, B, C, D. I do it with turkey hunting. I do it with deer hunting. I even do it with hog hunting. Um, but the great thing about it is it actually helps you when that starts flooding because now there's less spots for animals to travel. They can still go through the water, but they're not swimming in 30 foot of water. And I'm not exaggerating. I had a guy that was like, oh, there's no way it's 30 foot. I'm like, um, take a look at this picture. I sent him a picture of a hundred acres of trees. I mean, a straight hundred acres water line almost up to the canopy. I'm like, well, I didn't go up on each one of these trees and draw that. <laughs> so you right. know, obviously you can see that the water, you know, in my opinion, I think it's, it's how the, um, the water, uh, it's called swift mud. Um, it's, I think it's how it's regulated. It's, you know, they're releasing dams, they're letting water through They're you know, Lake Okeechobee deals with it a lot. They, they have, you know, the, the Corps of Engineers is opening, you know, flood walls and floodgates and, you know, depending on which area is getting more water and less water. And, you know, obviously you have your runoff from all the subdivisions that has to go somewhere. You know, we, oh, you know, we're under sea level. So like our water doesn't go into the earth. You know, you'll get such a small percentage that the earth takes. Um, and then the rest is either going to funnel down um, or it's going to stay. You know, it's only two right. options. Right. But like, and, uh, you, like you did, though, I mean, it's all it, it comes down to all learning the area you're in, seeing what the animals are doing, how they're reacting to it, etc. I mean, you, you do that. If you came down here for a couple years hunting, you'd get it just like you did transitioning from West Virginia to, to New York. So, Right. Right. Well, um, I uh, this year, like said, um, like said, I believe it was October 27th. It's a cool morning. Um, and there was no rain in the forecast and I expected a heavy frost. Um, you know, I've always been a firm believer of been five days before and after Halloween to me is those are your money days. Um, those are the days where, yeah, you're putting in effort cause you have to go out there, but at the same time, those are the days that take the least amount of effort, uh, because the deer will do a lot of the work for you if you have a general idea of what's going on. Um, well, I get halfway to my hunting spot, an hour and a half away, and all of a sudden it's torrential downpours. I don't have rain gear. I don't have nothing to be prepared. Um, you know, I don't even have my face mask. If I don't have to wear my face mask, I'm painting my face. Um, and I'm like, oh, man this changes, this literally changes everything about what I'm going to be able to do today. Hopefully, you know, here in New York around the Finger Lakes, you can get rain five minutes away and it'll be clear as day five minutes down the road. Um, just the way that the, the weather patterns change around all these long stretches of lakes. And I pull into the field and it's still just torrential downpours. Um, and I get dressed and I'm like, man, I, I drove all the way out here. I don't even want to go in the woods. I don't, you know, none of that. But I, I went through some mental toughness um, and I was thinking um, and I was actually listening uh, to one of Surfside's podcasts about that uh, beautiful Velvet Kentucky hunt. And oh, yeah, from Justin. Yeah, from Justin and uh, the what he had to go through for hunters, you know, Um other people and coming in on his hunt and stuff and how he was able to uh, mentally get through that. And I was like, huh, 
maybe I just need some mental toughness and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe God will give me a sign today. Um, and so I get dressed and I was going to the same stand, um, location where I saw them deer, them bucks that prior year. Uh, but without the frost or anything like that, I was like, something tells me I need to go back over here where I harvested my seven point. Um, mind you, this is a ladder stand. It's 18 feet up. It is not a bow stand at all. I'm working with a very small platform. If I do got to get a shot off. Um, but something told me I needed to be back in there. And in this section of the swamp, it's not trees. It's there's a lot of CRP and hay, um, high grass, type stuff that grows out there where you can step on a deer and you're not going to know it's there. Um, and I'm like, something tells me I need to go there. Well, it's one of them days. My Onyx is it working. Unfortunately, um, it's raining so much. I can't have my phone out of my pocket if I want my phone to work at all. And I get into the woods. I've got my red light on and I get 20 yards in. And next thing you know, I jump up a really nice buck, um, 10 yards away from me. I jump them up, two does take off. And I'm like, oh man, this is not the signs that I wanted today, but I'm going to still keep going. And I truck all the way back in there, end up walking three circles around the stand until I finally find it. And uh, I, I haven't been in that stand in two years. So I was, I was a little shaky on getting back there. And I climb up in the stand, um, and for the first time since that morning of me harvesting my buck, the rain stopped, the clouds stopped, um, the silence came through the swamp again, and I'm I'm soaked. I'm messaging my wife. I've got paint dripping off my face. I'm so wet, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm messaging my wife, and I'm like, "Why the heck do I do this?" Oh my gosh, we've all been there. <laughs> if you ain't been there, I don't care how much you love it. It's it's for passion. That's why you feel that way, but. You know, because you have so much passion for it. But if you don't feel that way, I don't think you've been out enough, or you haven't been out as much as us. <laughs> right? You haven't you haven't spent some of them days that just mentally want to break you. Yes, um, yes. But right as that happens, um, I stand up in the stand. Um, I'm getting my arrow knocked because that's how done I was with the day already. I didn't even put my arrow into my bow yet. Um, and I, I turn around and all the way through the field coming off of the neighboring property, um, I see a deer. And I'm like, oh, that's unusual. You know, um, I've never seen deer come from this way. What's going on? And I have this doe come in. I'm drenched. So at that point in time, all I'm thinking to myself is, you know what? I'm, I'm a harvest this deer. Um, she's a mature doe. Um, I'm still not thinking ruts full bore. And at the time I'm thinking I want meat in the freezer. Um, and she comes in from a ways off and she's not acting strange. She's not flicking her tail. She's not doing anything. Um, well, I draw back, uh, whenever her head's behind a tree and she's about 30 yards away. And 
she was moving very steadily up until this point. And at this point, she just stops. And I'm looking at the, unfortunately, I'm looking at the clock on my camera. And I see it go one minute, two minutes, three minutes, four minutes. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, my, my, at this point, my shoulder's on fire. And all of a sudden, she steps out. She's broadside. Um, I go, you know, give her a quick, man. She stops and she raises her head up. She looks at me. I'm bearing down. I All the shaking goes away. I squeeze the trigger. And in one of them swamp moments, there was a limb that I could not see. It was so thin. But the minute I let my arrow go, I watched it break. And I watched my arrow and it went right over her back. And I'm like, oh, you know, like, why me? Um, but it went over her back. Um, and I kind of, I have this thing where, you know, I've heard some other hunters that have hunted for a while talk about it. And I let out a quick, I, I start barking like squirrel um, I've never heard <laughs> right after that. she jumped yeah. and, and, you know, a lot of people are like, you're stupid. You're scaring. No, because, you know, I got the mullet flying out of the back. <laughs> you know, that's all they see. She can see from her angles, probably my hair. <laughs> Um, and she's probably thinking, is that a squirrel? Yeah, what what was the, it that flew over me? Here's the party. <laughs> here's the, <laughs> well, she starts meandering off. Um, I get another arrow knocked and I'm like, well, this proved my point. I'm away. I'm gonna let her go. Um, she's feeding around, milling around. I, uh, I hit a bleak can and Right after I hit the bleat can, I, I thought I heard something, but I wasn't quite sure. Um, you know, there, there's so much going on in the swamp. I, I I thought I heard something, and I'm paying attention to this doe. And all of a sudden, from behind me, from the direction that she uh, came from, I hear really lightly just a bit. And I'm like, that's a grunt. And up till this point, my whole life, when I have never heard a, a, a in the in a holler hearing a buck grunt is different because they carry. In the swamp, I have never heard a grunt that clear and that distinct. My my whole life of hunting, you know, twenty four years. Well, I don't make any rush moves to look and see what it is, but I'm like, it's too early. It's twenty seventh. It's not Halloween yet. You, they're not they're not rutting yet. Well, then it starts coming more predominant, and all of a sudden I can hear, you know, a splash of water. Um, it's so calm, I hear the hay and the tall grass moving. And every time I hear a footstep, I hear a bet, bet. I'm like, well, there's definitely a buck back there. So I turn around, I get my bow. I see this beautiful eight point. He's about 20 inches wide. Um, short tines, but he's a bigger body deer and i'm like you know for Bo, this this is meant to be um and i draw back on him he stops behind the same exact tree um now the difference in him and the doe is he's pegged this stand from the time that i seen him first he didn't know i was in there i was on the back side of the tree but he was definitely keeping an eye on the stand location um and so I hold the bow back. The only thing he does different is he takes a step out to the right 
And I go, give him a minute. I let the arrow fly, and you you can hear that hit of an arrow, right? And I see the arrow hit him. I, he does the biggest mule kick I've ever seen a buck do um, my whole life. And uh, he runs, trots over, and gets about 20 yards away from me behind a tree, and he just stops. And I'm recording with my phone. You know, I'm all excited, and I'm like, Oh, he's going to go down. Well, I go to get another arrow, not just in case. Um, and I've always been a guy that carried three arrows. That's it. Um, I don't like carrying too much into the woods if I don't have to. I drop my arrow to the bottom of the tree. And it's my last arrow because I already, you know, threw one at the doe. And I see him kicking and I see my arrow, um, just the tip of the fletchings on his backside. Um, so the arrow passed through, just not quite all the way. And it's, it's about two inches behind the opposite front shoulder. He was quartered too. Um, so where I was aiming at, it made sense. Like it was a perfect hit. Well, he's standing there and this buck stares me down. I don't have an arrow. I don't know what to do. He's staring at me and I watch him kind of meander off. And the way he walked off was, you know, whenever you shoot a buck, if they don't drop with a bow, when they stop, so, you know something's different, right? Right, yeah. Well, I watch him walk off, and I wait in my stand for two and a half hours. Um, I climb down, I look for blood, and I've got some nice blood. Um, I can see where it was going. And I track him for about 100 yards, um, and I got good blood every two to three Two to three feet, there's some blood. Not specks. I'm talking like some decent pools. And I'm like, well, I'm going to back out. I'm going to go look at the camera. I'm going to see where my shot hit. Um, and and I got a buddy that has a dog. Um, and, and the swamp, you know, a dog helps tremendously when they're going through water. Oh, yeah. Well, that and you can't see five feet in front of you. So like it's, you know, you can't trick a dog's nose. But, you know, there's been people I've known that walk by a deer a million and one times and it's sitting right there and they can't see it because it's done try to maybe it's been kicking a little bit and it's kind of shoved itself up under a, a log or I mean, you know, that that's why down here, like I don't bow hunt hogs. People always like, oh, I'd love to bow hunt hog. I'm like, nah, man, I'm, I'm rifle shooting that thing in the head. Um, that's the most right. ethical way to do it for that specific animal obviously i'm not gonna do that to a deer but for that just because it's so thick you know so i, I definitely mm -hmm. get that you want to use a dog when in doubt use a dog right well fast forward um i get a dog out there i look at my shot and my shot looks this is the first year i ever switched to a single bevel fixed blade um i'm not gonna go into brand stuff like that because i do i do think they're good broadheads oh no it's cool man what you using uh, i was using uh the schwacker sir razors okay 125 nice. grain schwacker's solid i've actually been talking to them we're trying to get a get them as a partner that's uh i have to give them this episode but yeah no i've i've heard a lot of great things i mean there's a lot i use wasp personally just because that's my where my loyalty lies just from over five years of using them but um, never heard, you know, I hear great things about Swacker too. So, well, 
This this instance, unfortunately, is not a good one. Um, oh, <laughs> okay. So, well, let's dive into so, that. <laughs> so, um, there is a pocket, and whenever you know New York, DC, um, especially Finger Lakes region, there's a Finger Lakes chapter. Um, I do want them to, I do want to put that out there for these other Finger Lakes hunters out there. If you look up the Finger Lakes dog chapter or Finger Lakes dog chapter, um, just Google that and pull it up. It's going to bring up a website where these guys are a free service. All they accept is donations. Their dogs come um, through a program through the DEC themselves as long as well as the trackers. Um, the guy comes out. We look at the footage. We look at where we hit the deer. And the guy says, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. There's a 50-50 chance that buck's still alive and will live a perfectly fine life and i was like what do you mean he said the broadheads you're using and that hole you went through you entrance exit there is a very good chance that you are a quarter inch from every vital and you pass through nothing and i'm thinking man that's a lot of blood i i don't think so but sure you know we'll, we'll check it well we track this deer two and a half miles and the one thing I failed to realize for the first half of this, this whole tracking, uh, he's doing some weird routes through the swamp that you wouldn't expect. I knew it wasn't a gut shot because he stayed as far away from the water as he could do. Um, but we kept coming up on scrapes and we kept coming up on rubs and they were hit by him. Like, unless there was, you know, there's a very strong possibility these uh, scrapes were hit by him. And we walk up and it, it's getting dark. And I tell the tracker, I was like, you know, your dogs had it rough. The tracker was an older gentleman. I was like, this is a long walkout. Um, let's come back tomorrow. Well, the next day I have to go to work. I can't get out there in the morning, but the tracker goes and he sends me a picture of this buck in a field running back and forth um, with with some does, then I get a video of him. This buck's not even limping. There's no mistaking if he's a different buck or whatever. Um, it, it's clear as day. You can see where they are went in and exited while he's recording this. And I'm like, I'm sick to my stomach, right? If you're going to bow hunt, there's going to be accidents. And, and I now understand that. Um, but I'm heartbroken. So I look at my boss that day, I get these videos and I said, uh, the next day is Halloween. Um, uh, it's a Tuesday here in New York. I look at my boss and I tell him, you know, so can I have tomorrow or am I going to be sick? And cause otherwise I was going to beat myself up for this whole deer season. And, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, dude, that's just, you know, we talked about this before and I don't, I don't want to bust into your story, but like, if you don't feel that way, and, and I try not to be, I try not to be a dick when I say this, and you know people probably like screw that guy. But if you don't feel that way after that happens, honestly, I, I feel like you shouldn't be hunting. You know, like like I, if if you if you can't feel that compassion towards a, a living, breathing thing, then you shouldn't be hunting. So you know, I get that. I'd be like, am I calling in sick, or are you gonna let me go? Right, exactly. And luckily, uh. You know, I work for a great company and a great boss. Um, and he's like, you know what? Yeah, you can have tomorrow. 
So the next morning I'm sick to my stomach. Um, I get out there and I have some trail cams on the edge of the field and I'm going to go to the stand that I got my buddy that buck the year before. And I check the trail cams and I got the little wild game card reader and I'm sitting in the stand before daylight and I'm looking through the pictures and all of a sudden there's a video. And if there's a video, the way that the camera's set up, that, that deer's got to be there for about 30 seconds before it'll switch from a picture to a video. Well, on the pictures, I'm just getting an ass of a deer, basically, right? It switches to video, and next thing you know, lo and behold, here's that buck. And I, he is running this, he's running this doe back and forth across the camera. Um, and I'm like, he's alive and well. He's not limping. He's not nothing. You know, you know, I, I, I feel this sense of relief, um, because I, I see he's alive and well, well, I, I'm sitting in the stand and I look, it gets to be eight fifteen in the morning. I look over my left-hand shoulder and I got a mature doe. Um, at this point, I know they're rutting. It's, you know, it, for me, it's Halloween. That's a day I will never miss in the woods. And, and after this part, you know, kind of where we're coming to the conclusion of this, um, this is a big con contribution. Why? But I've always felt that way about Halloween. And this doe comes in and I get full drawn on her and she's at 10 yards. And at this point, again, I'm thinking meat. Um, I know the bucks are rutting, but I, I want to redeem myself for what I just went through. Mind you, I did change my broadheads and shot my bow, you know, 15 times going through some shot collars. Um, never been an expandable guy, um, but something told me I, I should switch um, because I'm not going to feel as confident with an expandable um, in the swamp. But I, I will make sure I'm in a better position for the shots. What do you what do you think happened like you know from from your uh, observation here of the broadhead because you know I know we were talking about you know I've I've heard great things about Swacker um, and then this is obviously one of the first uh, negative instances of her but I've done that with I mean I know a hunter broadhead companies that you know I know people that have been using uh, Thunderheads for twenty years and then I know people that have lost deer with that you know so I I get that but what do you think? personally happened with that broadhead do you think it was a, a mechanical issue do you think it ricocheted what, like what do you think uh so i where i went in at, he was at a steep angle um below me and what from my entrance point i aimed a little high and a little forward um but i i expected to be a, i'm i'm shooting you know my bow's at 72 and a half pounds and i'm shooting a 31 inch draw length okay um, and, and I'm, my bow's not old. <laughs> I, I literally bought my, uh, I, I hunt with a bear. Um, it's not the most top of the line bear. Um, but it's, it's a very good bow. Um, you know, money's not, can only afford what I can afford, but I hunt with a bear legit. Um, and I was very confident in it, but I think what happened is, is I nicked the front of that scapula in the front shoulder. And whenever I nicked that, it bumped the arrow up and kept it above that that sweet spot. If it would have kept the ter the the angle and the pitch, and I, you know, since since after Halloween, I've gone back to that stand and put a target and shot at that angle at 
the same height, everything of where the arrow should have went. I really think I nicked the scapula and it just bounced over um, his lungs and his uh, and the top of his of his heart with the way that the arrow was going, the way he was quartered towards me. Um, and so I, I made a drastic change that I never I didn't have to make, you know, will I go back to Schwacker? Probably. I, I'll be 100% honest. I'm probably going to because I've harvested a lot of deer with them. And this is the first rough day I had. Um, but whenever you're feeling this certain type of way um, going through this, the first thing I thought was, honestly, I went to Bass Pro um, and there's a guy that works here that is very well known in the hunting and bow hunting uh, industry, Paulie. Um, and I'm talking to him and he said, well, do you want something that no matter what you, you know you're going to always have faith in? Mind you, this guy has he does not hunt with one broadhead every year. He has a tackle box full of broadheads. I know a few people like that. I mean, it's, <laughs> he, he switches them up for whatever day he's feeling like. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I buy, you know, Bass Pro that day, that day only had a deal on rage hypodermic with the shot collar, not the no collars, but with the shot collar. And I was like, you know what? 20 bucks. I, I could pay 40 bucks. I could get six broadheads. I'm going to try them. You know, just kind of a confidence booster for myself. Um, well, that doe, you know, comes in. I'm about to, uh, my fingers on my release. I'm a, if it would have been a fraction of a second longer before I heard this, that, that arrow would have been off and I never would have had this opportunity. Um, and I hear a stick break right behind me and by right behind me it's different than hearing it coming from across the swamp i mean this you know we go back to being able to say we don't hear deer coming in the swamp if they're not making that known cadence through the water you have no clue they're there well all of a sudden i hear a stick break and instantly her head you know she starts bobbing her head up and down and she's not bobbing at me she's looking right behind me and i'm like what what is this? You know, I, I can't tell you what it is. I I'm not sure. I let my bow down and she pegs me. Um, she, she heard a squeak or she probably heard my fall away rest and she stares at me and I start hearing a scrape being made right behind me. And I'm like, Oh crap. You know, there's a buck. I'm, I'm not going to shoot her now. I'm going to see what's going on. She lowers her head and I make a turn 180 degrees in my stand and I draw back at the same time and I hear her bound off. And I look and at 12 yards away, I see this dark giant body and I see there's a tree that's about 10 yards away right in front of this deer. And all I see is his rack, one side of the tree, one rack on the other side. And this tree's about 13, 14, 15 inches wide, and he's well out past that. And he can't see me, but he's wondering what's going on. This doe didn't blow. For whatever reason, she didn't blow. She just bound off. And I've got a hole that's about four inches through this brush, and it's a bright morning. You know, I'm, I'm facing the sun. It's raising up, and I can see clear as day this time. And I got a shot right behind his front shoulder. He's quartered away, and I'm like, oh, this this is going right in his bread biscuit. And I don't know what buck it is at this point, 
Um, but I take a deep breath, you know, whenever you have something, you know, it's just been two days ago that I had this instance with this other buck, you know, I'm, I'm telling myself all the bad things that aren't going to happen. And I squeeze my release. And all I hear is that, you know, with a bow, you can hear the pop and know if it's a good shot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a gut shot? Is it, are you punching through bone? What is it? And this was just that perfect pop. And he turns, he books it. And I watch him take off running and my arrow didn't pass through him. And, but I see my arrow buried well within him. He gets 40 yards and he crashes in the middle of the water. Um, and I see the water and he crashes and I'm, I'm shaking in my stand at this point. Cause I could see his rack from 40 yards away. I saw the, I don't want to go into too much information for some people out there, but, uh, the hypodermics do some work that I've never seen a broadhead do in my whole life. Cause whenever a deer is 30 yards away from you and you can see that pumping out of them, yeah. it's, it's something that's, he did not know what happened and I'm sure he passed in the most faithfully way. Um, you know, the most, uh, respectable way that a deer could pass and i get up to them and i told you about them three bucks the year before and there was this perfect bait point there i am there is no doubt in my mind this perfect bait point that blew my chances on this beautiful buck the year before because i didn't pay attention to him is the buck i just harvested oh my gosh and uh and it's bittersweet, right? And I've killed some decent bucks with bows. Most of them's been with gun, but I've killed some decent ones with bows. And I could tell you right now, I'm looking at this deer, and he's got a six-inch brow tine on one side, five and a half on the other. His G2s, one is 11 and three quarters, one is 11 and a half. One of his G3s is a foot long. Um, and, and I'm breathtaking because how perfect he is. Um I get them out of the woods, you know, I'm all happy, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm tore up. I, I had instances with this buck, um, and in a lot of ways it was meant to be, you know, um, but I knew the paths they were taking and kind of what I skipped over in the excitement of describing this day. Cause this is a day I know I'll never forget. The whole reason I went to this stand is one day a year for the last three years in the swamp, and it's been in the same week, that west wind seems to go away. And when that west wind goes away, it's not blowing south. It's not blowing east. It's blowing north, a way that the wind never comes through this swamp. Unless you go back and you look through your, you know, your recordings on Onyx, or you go and you look through your recordings just through whatever weather app you use, and this day, that north wind was coming, which pushes all the deer. Usually I'm calling from the backside of the swamp and they're coming towards me. When that north wind happens, they seem to every year that I've been out there, they're on my side of the swamp. And that whenever they're on that side, there's only a few paths they will take. Um, and, and that's something I, I learned over the summer. And he came right down the pipe, right down the trail that I knew. Um that I had a feeling that he was going to. And uh, 
I get him scored. I sent you a picture of it, Justin. Um, and you know, you, you seen the buck. And to be honest, whenever I got the score back, I thought it was a load of, you know what, until, uh, until the, the, the score literally signed his name next to it. Um, he scored 162 inches gross with 159.9, uh, net. Oh, wow. So unfortunately I'm 0.1 inches off of where I needed to be uh, for, for the certificate or whatever, but, but uh, lo, lo and behold, he's still a beautiful buck. Dang, man. Um, That's incredible. and I don't, uh, and, you know, the thing is we all beat ourselves up through deer season. We all make mistakes. We're humans. Um, you know, and unfortunately deer make mistakes, you know, when, whenever there's a female involved, what do most male of any species do? They make mistakes. <laughs> that's, that's that's true, man. If it wasn't for those mistakes, we'd probably never kill them unless it's with a it's, car. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and to kind of touch base, um, you know, I, I, I told you, I, I don't want to, you know, take up too much time. Oh, um, fine, you know, this story has been great and, you know, and it's, a lot of people would not believe this next part. Um, and I told you about this roughly, um, you know, last week when we were discussing doing this podcast, you know, I'm a firm believer that until this year, I have never witnessed a, uh, a true rut. Now I've seen the pre-rut. I've seen bucks chase. My buck was coming in cause he knew there was a doe there. You know, right before I seen her, the bleak call, a lot of people hate them things. I, I am a firm believer in the primo's uh, call can. Oh, I keep I keep one on me because you know what? I don't use it a lot, but the times I have you, because like you said, it's all situational. Like the guy with the broadheads in his, in his pack, like it's all situational and, and, and there's really no rhyme or reason to a lot of my madness, but I, I keep one in the pack because <laughs> I, right. I killed deer with them. I'm like, why wouldn't you? That's like saying, right. you know, the, the age-old expression, don't leave deer to find deer. Same with the call. Like, I'm not going to take it out of my pack until I'm using it and I'm watching things running off. And if that ever happens, it'll it'll come out my pack. But until that does, I'm going to keep it in there. Right. Well, this past weekend on Saturday, um, I what I never noticed was I am a hardcore hunter when that season comes because I want to be in the woods all day. Come the second, into the first week, second week of November, I'm hunted out. I'll be honest, bow hunting. I'm like, I'm looking towards that week and a half till gun season, right? This year I went out and I wanted to do some doe patrol. And first thing in the morning I get, I see, I'm calling him limpy, even though he's not limping, but that buck, I see him bright and early. Obviously I'm tagged out. Can't shoot a buck. I see another nice eight point two and a half year old deer, but he's got a beautiful rack on him. You know, unfortunately, some of the neighbors see him. I know he's not going to make it another year to become what my buck this this year was. And I sit all day because I drove there and my wife says, you know, I'm not going to be home. You might as well just enjoy the day in the woods. And I'm like, well, they're rutting. I'm going to probably see a doe get ran under me. Well, it gets to four fifteen. I've got 30 minutes of legal shooting light left, just about 30, 45 minutes. I have not seen a thing all day, not a squirrel, not blue jay, not 
any type of a bird really besides them two bucks in the morning. And I'm like, huh, the rut's over. You know, we always tell ourselves that. And I'm like, uh, obviously, before gun season, it always seems to end. And all of a sudden, I see a flash of a deer. And a lot of times in the swamp, if you don't hear them, you will see them, the movement, and then the sound follows. You know what I mean? Kind of like muffled. Yeah, a little delayed there. Yeah. And one, two, three, four, five and six. And I'm like, man, there's six deer over there and they're running like they're, they're hard. Well, all of a sudden then they're only 60 yards away. I'm across, they're coming out of that other ag field across the swamp. And I stand up and I can see horns. So I don't even grab my bow off the tree. Um, I, I have a feeling it's just like, they're just going to keep running. I'm not even going to get a shot. I stand up, I get my phone out to record and I zoom in um on it and i'm like holy crap all of a sudden i hear meh 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 all different tones of grunts and by grunts i'm telling you and people are going to say all this guy's full of crap on everything i own and love i heard a minimum of 30 grunts in two minutes and it was one doe being ran down by six bucks I watched one of these bucks lock antlers and it wasn't like we watch and we think bucks fight, you know, it was a lock and toss. Granted the buck that got tossed was a little guy, but these bucks are sparring, fighting and cornering this doe and they're not staying out of the water as normal. This water's chest deep on them and they chase them a hundred yards down through the swamp out of sight. And I'm like, oh, wow, what did I just witness? This is insane. And then here they come back to 20 yards in front of my stand. Um, and it's something that you would never dream of. You know what I mean? Gosh, I and, love and this... moments, man. Those are – you can't write books on this stuff. You know, I tell people, I'm like, when it comes to a blood sport and a wild animal, like, those experiences are – you know, you'll you'll never forget that. You know, I – I, I'm not jumping into your, your story here, but, you know, I've seen a first time i ever seen, like you said, a real fight, not TV fighting. Like a real drag out fight was actually at night through thermals in January. And I was watching in Georgia, I was watching 150, 160 class deer destroy each other in a field with does and bucks watching you know in a peanut field so i i get that feeling that you're talking about you know you're like what is this i've never seen this or heard about this right right and and you know and i see them and they're fighting and they're fighting and they're grunting like you know the the grunts are so predominant and i've never you know you'll get a buck to grunt back at you once when you're trying to get one in right but they're not like sounding off bad you know most of the time usually right and so i get my grunt call and i'm trying to get them to slow down because in in a way i'll be 100 percent honest with you i feel bad for this doe I did not realize how aggressive does really get chased. Oh my gosh! It, you know, I've heard stories of them literally getting killed. You know, I don't, I, I don't know the facts, but I have heard stories of, of too many bucks, like not from the sexual part of it, from the just the the straight up beating them down with chasing them. 
not giving them a chance to eat, not giving them a chance to rest. You know, it's, you know, too much stress on the, on the animal and then them obviously expiring. But I have heard stories of does literally dying and the buck tries to mount it while it's dead on the ground. You know, it's had a heart, it's heart exploded, you know, too, too much, you know, for that area. Right. Exactly. And that's how I felt. So I get my grunt call out and I wasn't trying to be any sort of rhyme or reason. To be honest, my adrenaline's going more than me drawing back on an animal at this point, just witnessing. And I don't think I'm seeing it. That's how crazy it was to me. Um, And if I didn't have the video of it, I wouldn't believe it. And uh, I blow my grunt call and I'm kind of a, I'm a little aggressive with it, you know, just a really quick, just like let out a snort weaves. And she took that as a moment. I feel like I got her a moment of relief because the minute I let out the snort wheeze, all them bucks stopped. Saved her. (laughs) (laughs) And she takes off. Well, eventually they go after her about 30, 45 seconds, but she had, she was able to get out of the corner she was put in. Um, And I sit down back in my stand and I'm just like, wow, this is amazing. And this is where that ground, that ground noise that a lot of people don't, um, you know, some people don't believe in. You've heard bucks, you've heard deer come running through the swamp and you know how loud that is. Oh yeah. You feel like you don't have enough time to get, you know, I don't use a a new release. I've been using the same release since I was, gosh, probably 15 or 16. One of those old, you know, at the time, I think it was probably 10, $15. It's been so long, but one of those old, uh, you know, wrist rocket ones. And, uh, you know, it, it feels like you're fumbling around trying to get it clipped up. <laughs> you know, you feel like you don't have enough time because it's happening so fast. And like you said, in the swamp, when you hear it, you have to be ready. You have to be right. ready. If you're not ready, it's either going to see you, bust you, run away. Something's going to happen. You're not going to get that surprise element if you're not, you know, not prepared when you first hear that first splash. Right. Well, it's dark. I'm not thinking, uh, getting a deer, my adrenaline's going on so crazy right now. I am not even thinking about a deer. It's not four minutes after them bucks stepped away. And from behind me, coming from the other ag field, all of a sudden, I don't even hear a grunt. I hear a snort wheeze. And I don't know if it's the snort wheeze I let out, if it was the grunting and the chasing noise that was going on, um, that was going through that swamp. But here comes another buck stomping in right behind me. Um, And he's under my stand, you know, two days prior, I had my doe, you know, I used tinks, doe and rut. Um, You know, I, my scent bombs, I, I forgot one in a tree and I was like, crap. Well, he's stomping all around my stand. At one point he probably could have touched the ladder the the stand I'm in. And he's stomping and I'm in my stand till six o'clock. He's ticked. Now he was not a giant. He was smaller than the one I got, but he was a mature deer. Um, and he's ticked grunting, grunting, grunting. And, you know, he finally measles off. I get out of the stand and I call my wife on my way home and I tell her what I go through. And my wife, who is not, my wife is a firm supporter of me hunting. She knows that I need it in my life. It's a stress reliever. It's me, a chance to get one with nature. Um, but she's like, you're crazy. And until she saw the videos of it, 
Um, and kind of what I went into this, you know, it's a great story. You know, there's that. But the big thing about it is, is that a lot of us hunters see the rut and we might see a buck chase a doe. We might see a buck following a doe. But after this year, I'm a firm believer that this is the first year I witnessed that peak rut. You know, I, I feel like there is a big disconnect between what peak rut is and how far pre-rut actually goes into this. Um, if I wouldn't have seen rutting, uh, you know, that that stage of the rut of these deer, and I had Sunday morning, I had another buck running a doe really aggressively that I've never witnessed. Um, before, I thought, you know, a buck following a doe grunting a little bit, that's peak rut. And this year, I'm, I'm a firm believer that they do it a little different up here in the Northeast. They're, they're a lot more aggressive. Um, and, you know, I've taken some steps back Um to witness the way that these deer really act. And it's, it, it was life-changing for me. Um, but you know, the, the biggest part of, you know, why I reached out to you, um, why I wanted to fit, let this story in is because, you know, all of us as hunters have had them rough patches. All of us have probably lost a deer, whether it lived or not. Um, it's unfortunate if you're going to bow hunt, it happens, unfortunately. Um, but we can't let it beat us up to the point where we just don't want to hunt anymore because that, that's not what it's meant to do. You know what I mean? For sure. No, I mean, you're going to go through that. And like I said, if you're not doing that, you're not, for one, you're either not passionate enough or you, um, aren't doing it enough. Uh, you know, it's those moments happen. Um, you know, it, it, I feel like TV, social media, you know, especially Facebook and stuff where people, you know, they're seeing, for example, like, I feel like it was a good buck year this year and last year and, um, you know, a lot of people were taking really, you know, personal best bucks and, you know, we don't have to get into inches and stuff, but people were taking their personal best bucks. And I tell people, I'm like, okay, you've seen that picture. It took you 0.1 second to see that picture. Okay. It might've took that person three years to kill that deer. Um, now most of the time, most of the time, you're not going to hear someone's trial and tribulations. You might hear a good story about it. Um, but you're not going to hear the trials and tribulations of those past two to three years. You're going to hear the story that year, that season, that week, whatever. Um, a lot of people aren't talking about all the bad. They're talking about the good. Um, so with that being said, you don't get the full perspective of the story. Um, you know, I was, I've been after this same public land buck for going on five years now. Um, and you know, one thing I've been doing is I've been obviously showcasing each year because I know when, when I finally do get him, if I do, I'm actually can go back and, and piece the story, you know, talk about all the failures. Um, and that will be something I do because I don't see it, but you don't, you don't see a lot of that stuff. You know, you don't, you know, no, no one's talking about meat eater, you know, uh, people think all oh, they went out there and killed an elk this year. I'm like, that footage can be from two, three years ago, man. Like. You know, you don't, you don't know, uh, just because it was shown in the moment and I'm not knocking them, you know, but I'm just saying like, they're not out there saying, yeah, we shot this three years ago and then we finally put it out cause we edited it and stuff. I'm like, it goes with the storyline. Just like a lot of people that have big followings on YouTube. Um, you know, it's, that's a lot of that stuff is from the year previous or the previous year before that. 
it's not a lot of the time it's not actually in that moment because people think that they don't want to hear the bad but in reality that's all I want to hear because that's how I learn I'll be honest with you I don't learn a ton of stuff from success I really don't um, I learn from all those failures that lead up to success I don't a lot of the times I can barely remember I mean I remember obviously the moment and the instance but man, when it, it it's hard enough to remember where the deer ran to, you know, that split second where you got to watch the deer, you know, where he's running to so you know where to start looking. It's, it's that moment, like I force myself to stare at that spot because I'm so excited. Your adrenaline naturally washes things away and you remember it after and, and, and even if you have a good memory, but in my opinion, like that bad is, is one of the most important parts of hunting. Right. And, 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 you know, and it's funny you say you don't learn a lot from successes. And uh, I look back on everything I did um, with this deer this year, you know, the one that, you know, he's he's in the house. And, uh, you know, I look back and there's been so many times I've been in the woods and done everything right. Like I look back on times and I'm like, man, I set up perfect i did this just correctly and it didn't work yeah you know what it's he just saw like, me and you know what it's just like uh i i use a stock analogy <laughs> with this if we all had the secret sauce then we'd all be a millionaire you know just because something's doing something a certain way for a week that, that buck's coming down the same trail he's doing the same thing he's sniffing the same scrape he's doing the same rub that doesn't mean he's gonna do it tomorrow you know, like right. it, it's a wild animal. It doesn't, you know, I, I'm a big turkey hunter. So that's how I've been uh, baffled many a times from something that's brains the size of my thumbnail. Um, and it always, you know, would I'd be like, why am I getting out smart about something that literally I feel like doesn't have intelligence? Um, and then you go years of doing it and you see like, wow, you know, if someone had all the answers that we would know about it. And I'm yet to find someone that has all the answers because the animal's constantly changing with its environment. I mean, a tree falls in the woods and almost kills the animal. It's going to change its patterns for the week. You know, a lightning strikes and, you know, I know Virginia's on fire right now. All those animals that are, their forest is getting burned. All their patterns are going to be changed. And no one predicted that there would be a wildfire that would engulf a third of the state and quarter of the state, you know? Right. Exactly. You know, and uh, the only way we're going to learn is by through, the, you know, the struggles, um, the, the mishaps, the things that should work that don't. Um, and then sometimes, you know, like me this year, you do a lot wrong because he should have seen me move around that stand. Um, you know, you, you do a lot wrong. And sometimes that's just what works that day it, it does um, you know my, my biggest buck I've, I've told this story many times but my biggest buck I, I don't smoke cigarettes anymore um, but I used to um, when I was younger and one of my biggest bucks I've ever taken I was smoking a cigarette had gotten too cold the wind was in my favor on that one um, but in the thermals too but um, was smoking a cigarette he was dogging a doe the doe stopped I was gonna take her and then corner of my eye, I see him right behind her, and I was able to take him at about 12, 15 yards. Um, while I was literally had been, I mean, the cigarette, I dropped it on the ground. It was still smoldering, um, you know, and, and, and I tell people all the time, I'm like, I, I was done hunting. I was walking back to the truck. That's why I lit the, <laughs> the cigarette. I was done hunting. I was like, oh, I'm done. I'm heading back. And I was able to take my, my personal best buck. Um, and if you were to tell me at that moment, you know, it, it's been some years that have passed, 
Um, but if you were to tell me in that moment, hey, you're going to kill your biggest buck while you're smoking a cigarette, I would have laughed at you in your face. I never even used to smoke, even though I was a smoker, I never even used to smoke before I hunted. I would always wait. You know, I was I hunting with my grandparents. They were real big in scent controlling things. And they, they it, that was the rule was you smoked after or when you were done. We never did that before. Just like you don't pump gas before, little things like that. Um, and, and I literally thought I was done and I ended up getting, if you were to tell me that I would have laughed and be like, you're crazy. I, I'm not going to kill no mature, you know, four or five year old mountain public land buck while I'm smoking a cigarette. Well, it happened. Um, has it happened since? No, <laughs> no, it ha- well, I don't smoke <laughs> cigarettes anymore, but has that happened since? No, it hasn't. I have, I've, I've had to obviously do like you said, I've had to work the work the grid, you know, learn the patterns, learn how the winds work and things like that. And, uh, you know, a point I wanted to bring up when you were talking about uh, the wind coming in a, a different way, there's no substitute for boots on the ground. Now, I'm not saying go in your spot and put every single foot step in every single acre, but you're never going to know more than being in that moment, boots on the ground experience it because you're not going to find a YouTube video. You're not going to listen to a podcast. You're not going to watch a uh, a TV show, you're not going to hear somebody talking about it on the internet of the wind switching like it did for you. Um, you're not going to hear about none of that. If you weren't there, you never would have knew it. You know, so right. that's you never can replace boots on the ground, good old fashioned scouting. I don't care how good technology gets, how good Matto. And then there's one guy that can find buck bedding areas from topographical maps. He's uh, 99% of the time he will find that bedding area. But you know what? You know what he can't find? He can't find what that wind's doing. You know, you can't find out that wind tunnel if if that's where that wind tunnel's at. Um, And that's the whole whole basis of this is if people knew everything, then you would know about it. Like, you would hear about it. And there's there's gimmicks, there's this, there's that. But at the end of the day, all that is is different perspectives, different moments in that moment. You know, different uh, uh, experiences in that moment. Right, exactly. And, you know, and it's it's, it's a great thing when it all comes out and it's, you know, it's it's something that is you know I, i'm fortunate it happened to me but you got to think it's been 24 years it took to happen yeah no it's, um, it's a, it is a, it's a long game you know I, my grandpa's taking some big deer and they're on the wall and i'm looking like okay if i was to take all those deer and divide it by how many times he's hunted you know like the odds would not be in his favor <laughs> like hundreds <laughs> if not thousands of times he's 98 years old you know, and he's killed some nice deer and let all the nice, you know, and now he lets bucks walk that'll make you sick to your stomach. But, um, you know, it's just, that's just how it is. You know, it's, you're never going to do that, um, uh, like the baseball, you know, I'm not a huge baseball person. So anybody that likes baseball is probably like, you don't know what he's talking about. But I, I do know like the person that bats the less has the, typically the best uh, chances of having like the higher stat or whatever. That's not yep. like it is for hunting. In my opinion, it's the person that gets out the most and the person that experiences what's going on in that area and learns their area and what their deer are doing in that area. That's the person that's going to be more successful. But it's going to take, you know, just because you go out that one time, just because I went out and killed that mature mountain buck that one time like that, I don't hunt like that no more. You know, I'm not sure. saying that's the secret to success, but where I'm currently at, you know, I just, it's just what it is. You know, it's, it's that's not my secret sauce of hey get cold at eight thirty walk like you had said you know almost eight fifteen get cold at eight thirty start walking to the truck thinking about that that you know biscuits and gravy you're about to eat 
light a cigarette and then you take a deer, you know, like that's not my strategy. <laughs> right. Right. And you know, and, uh, it, it's something that, you know, I've, uh, I've come to the, the, the farmer I hunt on has said that he has never, he's owned this farm for 48 years. Um, he's let a many people, Mennonites, Amish, everyday bow hunters, uh, everyday hunters in general hunt this farm. Um, and he, he will tell you and tell anyone there is no one that has spent more time in his woods than me the last four years in their whole life. Um, and you know, I'm a firm believer of, like you said, boots on the ground, understand how the deer work. You know, I might go out squirrel hunting, sitting in one of my stands and not even try to shoot a squirrel because I'm just watching how the deer are moving prior to bow season. Oh yeah. I, I, I'm a big turkey hunter. That's my, that's my number one passion. And, uh, I, um, actually a lot of the times, like usually December, January, our, our season's pretty long here. Um, but I um, I actually don't really, unless something comes out shoot worthy, I typically don't deer hunt during when I'm deer hunting. I'm, I'm scouting turkeys and I'm, uh, you know, listening to turkeys and seeing, you know, their routes and how they're interacting and where they're feeding and what they're doing and things like that. So um, I definitely I definitely get that pers- that perspective of, of what you're doing there. I, a lot of the times, I mean, that's I'm out there thinking of spring over here in December, you know. Right. right. And, uh, but, but yeah, no, I, uh, I appreciate, you know, um, you let me tell my story here. No, um, I love having you. And I I tell you what, Alexander, I would love for you. I know we went over a lot of information here. We're obviously wrapping up, but if you could share, if you could summarize everything, this whole experience, so you could share one tidbit of information of something maybe you would have done better or something you just want to share, what would it be? Um, just to help someone else. yeah, uh, you know, the, the one, the obviously the biggest thing is, is, uh, you know, it sounds stupid. It sounds like you're in high school getting ready to run out on the football field uh, for your first high school game or something. But, you know, no matter what face of adversity you get, no matter how bad the day really is um, or how bad it looks like it's going to be, you just got to be able to stay, stay strong and actually push through um and, and it'll really pay off. And this, this goes out, you know, hunting is a dying breed, unfortunately. Um, we're people losing a lot of hunters. It. They don't want to believe it. People just, they, oh, I've seen a million people on Facebook. Well, you know what? There was 2 million before. Like there's not, it, it, the natural thing is hunting is on the decline. It, it's 100% on the decline. There's no doubt about it. I don't care what people say of, well, number, you know, license sales were higher in 2020. Well, they're not as high as they were in 1970, and a third of those people probably didn't buy a license. So, you know, like, I know plenty of old heads from back in the day that hunted their private land without getting a license. Um, I'm not, you know, saying that's supported or whatever. I'm just giving you the facts of hunting is on the decline. You're right. Right. and Exactly. And if you're like me and grow up in the hills of West Virginia, the fact of the matter is in West Virginia, if you're a landowner and own over six acres – well, you don't have to buy a license. Virginia is the same way. I think I, – I, don't quote me on this, but I think that – I always get a license because I end up duck hunting and doing some other things on public. But um, we have family laying in Virginia, and I'm pretty sure it's either you 
if you, I can't remember the hundred percent, the rules, I have to double check the book. I always look when I'm there in the moment, but, um, last I remember was the same thing. If you have private land, you don't need a license or you had to have had a license at some point in time. And then what you do is you would call it in to get a number for the deer. So like if you're, you know, you're hunting private land, you're going across state lines, you call it in and you're able to get, um, um, that now obviously don't quote me on that because it's been a few years since I've actually utilized that method um, I obviously I check my game book every time because rules change like you change your underwear but um, you know it's that's right. how it is there too right um, but yeah the biggest thing is, is keep your head up and uh, also you know I'm gonna be posting a hunt link like I told you to um, where you know maybe if somebody wants to I'm, I'm getting into turkey hunting waterfowl hunting if somebody wants a chance to get on a on a decent buck um and just learn some different styles of hunting from anywhere um i i encourage people to jump out there and uh hop on it that's one of the great things that you know serviceide is has opened up to me is the ability for us to help each other all the way across you know the country um with interacting meeting new people and learning new things and so i'll be posting that up soon and uh you know, try to get some other people out here and hopefully get somebody the opportunity that I've learned and uh, be able to pass my knowledge on to help them be able to capitalize as well. Awesome, man. You know what? That's what it's all about. And I tell people all the time, it's if you if you're not that's not your, you know, your your choice of, you know, maybe you're like, oh, you know, I want to keep to myself. Service side has that. We have plenty of options for people that like to keep to themselves. Um, even our hunt link matchmaker program we have, we have an option that says I'd only like to travel. I only want to hunt private. I only want to hunt public. Like each hunter can do what they want to do, but you can still be a part of a good community and you can still get a lot from it by being like a solo hunter like i feel like i'm both i like doing group stuff and camps and fun and cooking and, and drinking and all that other stuff and then i like doing the solo hardcore thing you know like where you know like we had talked about i got spots i wouldn't take my mama to uh you right. know and, and then i got other spots where i'm like hey man you should go try over here and then just let me know if you're successful so i know if it was a wash or not that's really all i'm asking i'm not asking for anything else um, just let me know how it was so I know if it was, you know, what what's going on there and if my, you know, hypothesis is right. So, uh, but yeah, I'm looking right. forward to seeing that for sure, man. Yeah, right. And, you know, there's nothing I would love to do more than get somebody, you know, from within service side and maybe get them out here for a bow hunt next year. And as I told you, um, you know, I'm a pretty strong caller, in my opinion, of getting deer in. And I, I... I really love and enjoy being able to go out there with somebody that, you know, wants to learn, even if they're the most experienced hunter and killed bigger deer than me, um, and have that opportunity to enjoy that moment of calling a deer in for them. Um, I almost get that endorphin high as much as taking my own animal, so... No, I do too, man. I'm the same way, but... Well, Alexander, but, yeah. I definitely appreciate you jumping on, but let's... let's uh for our listeners, where can they, or what's good for them to find you or reach out to you or, or maybe just follow you, see how you're doing. Is there some socials or, you know, something yeah. you'd like to throw out? Um, so actually next week, um, I'm in the process. Uh, this is the first podcast I've done. Um, but I've been in the uh, process of starting an LLC. Um, so starting next Thursday will be the first live episode where you'll actually get to see this hunt on YouTube. 
um, of me taking this beautiful buck nice. um, will be uh, Central New York Outdoors. That's CNY Outdoors on YouTube. Um, the Facebook profile is going to be live the same day, um, as well as Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everything for the podcast episodes coming up. Um, and then also just Alexander Wagner on Facebook. I'm going to go into the private uh, Facebook group um, for Servicide as well as just the public profile and make sure I get a picture of the buck um, and kind of a summary of this story, uh, you know, posted on there. But anyone who wants to talk or anything, feel free to reach out. Awesome. And I'll update, I'll definitely update that in the show notes. And this won't be the last time we chat. We'll, we'll definitely talk some more. And, you know, I've actually been thinking a lot about doing a, you know, with bow season kind of winding down for the most part for people or people being tagged out. I definitely want to do a, almost like a recap bow hunter series. So you're kind of going to be taking, uh, taking the reins by starting this little idea that I'm kind of contemplating of doing with this podcast uh, series. So, um, yeah, you're kind of started out. What I'm going to do is I'm going to try my best to get this wrapped up now and edited and ready to go. And we're going to try to get this out by lunchtime today so that we can uh, hopefully have some people listen to it on their way to camps. Hopefully people can listen to it. They can keep their spirits up and, you know, hopefully everyone has a, uh, you know, it's opening weekend, um, you know, between Saturday and Monday. And, you know, in some places, Illinois, Michigan, you know, season's already open. So um, hopefully they can tune in, listen and pick something up from it. And if not, just enjoy some times around a fire with some beers with some friends. For sure. For sure. Well, man, I definitely appreciate it. And we'll definitely do this again soon. All right. Sounds terrific. Thank you so much. No problem. That was Alexander Wagner and y'all are listening to Hunt Link by Servicide. <laughs>